Reading from the Gospel according to John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Life in His name sounds good. God bringing life out of death sounds good. Today marks one week since we first celebrated that. It's been a week since the Easter season began, just as it had been a week between Jesus' early encounter with His disciples and His second one. We read about both just now. And first, the disciples were locked in a house somewhere. It's not difficult to imagine why. Some were still processing the crucifixion and others were getting word of the resurrection. It was all confusing. The disciples were beginning to hear that Mary Magdalene found an empty tomb and that Peter and John had seen it too. And, and even more unbelievably, Mary saw Jesus who called her by name. Not only was the tomb empty, she had seen the risen Lord. Later that same day, the disciples were together. They were gathered in a house trying to figure this thing out. Thomas was out. He went to get pizza or hummus or shawarma, whatever you get in Jerusalem when there are a crowd of people confused together trying to figure something out. And while Thomas was gone, Jesus came through a locked door and announced, peace be with you. The disciples needed that. 
but they didn't know what to do with that. The same people who had said, it is better for you to have one man die for the people than to have the whole nation destroyed were still out there, still outside those locked doors, ready to do whatever it took to remain in power. And if they had been worried about losing power to Jesus before, how much more worrisome were he and his followers after the resurrection? And if they had been willing to kill Jesus before, how much more would they be willing to do to Jesus and his followers after he had been raised? The disciples remembered what Jesus himself had said before his crucifixion on another occasion when he offered them his peace. He said, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me before it hated you. If they persecuted you, me, they will persecute you. Jesus warned his disciples that tough days were coming. And if he was back from the dead, then his crucifixion would be just the beginning of those worst days. All of that to say why we can understand the disciples being behind locked doors. And it's why we can understand that they needed Jesus to offer his peace at least twice. The first time he offered it was just so they could catch their breath. It's unnerving to watch a man you saw die appear through a locked door. But when they caught their breath, Jesus had even more to say. A second peace be with you was followed by, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. If the disciples had any breath in their lungs, they may well have argued with that. Don't say that, Jesus. Your peace we need. We really need it. But don't send us. Not the way the Father sent you. Do you not see what happened when the Father sent you? Last week was not great, Jesus. Please don't send us out like that. Knowing their anxious hearts and their leaden feet. As the Creator had done in the beginning, as God had done with dim, dry bones, so now Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit into the disciples. You can't stay locked up forever. The Holy Spirit will lead you out. Jesus breathed into them. And then he was gone. Thomas showed up with pizza. The disciples told him what happened. He did not cheer. Thomas asked for the same opportunity that Mary had had, that the other disciples had had. He wanted to see Jesus. It's not enough to hear about Jesus. He wanted to see and touch and, and talk with Jesus. You know, Thomas wanted to experience the living Lord. It's what any disciple wants. It's why we're gathered here. 
It's why we pray here and other places. It's why we read about Him and think about Him and talk about Him. We want to experience the living Lord. And I'll give you a hint about where this is headed. Others want to as well. A week passed between Jesus' first appearance in that locked room and His second. John doesn't tell us what happened during that week. Only that it has been a week and once again the disciples were together. Thomas with them this time behind those locked doors. Don't miss that detail. A week later, same people plus Thomas' doors still locked. I suppose it's possible that after Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit into those disciples, that they went out with passion and courage and vim and vigor and and shared the good news with all kinds of joy. But it doesn't seem likely. Not that first week. John indicates that they stayed hidden and quiet. We get that idea because one week later and they're back together behind those closed doors and as had happened the week before, Jesus comes through those locked doors, closed doors, don't keep Jesus out, we learn. Thank God, closed doors don't keep Jesus out. There are 53 external doors to this building. And all but three of them are supposed to be locked at this very moment. And the three that are not locked are meant to be under the supervision of hired security guards. The church leadership thinks this is a regrettable but wise decision. We are trying to be the safest and most hospitable that we can be. It's good that our doors and our security guards are no match for Jesus. The question is, are those doors a match for us? The doors can't keep Jesus out, but they can keep us in. Which was not the purpose of Jesus coming through those closed doors. He burst through those doors in order to push the disciples beyond them. If all Jesus wanted was for them to have open doors, he would have taken off the hinges, told the disciples, keep these doors open so the people outside can come and find you inside, can come and be with you in here. But no, this is Jesus. He sent them out there. The doors can remain. They can even be closed as long as our lives will be open. We can spend some time behind closed doors if we'll spend more time outside of those doors. And honestly, that's not too much for Jesus to ask. The hostility he anticipated for those first disciples was far worse than any hostility that we might experience in Florence, South Carolina. You are far more likely to have someone say something negative to you about your faith if it does not include a risen Lord here than if it does. 
Around here, Christians are more at risk of being the religious authorities who harass those who believe differently than of being harassed for believing in Jesus. But that's just one potential hostility among us. There are all sorts of differences that can cause unrest, dis-ease, a lack of peace. And just as the Father sent the Son into a world of unrest and hostility, so Jesus sends us. We are called to be those who pass through the doors of this place and open our lives to those who are desperate to know peace. And we do that the way that Jesus did it for Mary and for the disciples and is doing it for us. We go to them. Yes, anyone is welcome here, provided he does not bring his weapon inside. But most are not coming unless they've been shown our willingness to go. Our willingness to burst through or climb over or speak around barriers. Our willingness to offer peace to their chaotic and frightening lives. Not to fix them, but to be present in them. We go to them and hear them say, The thing I feared most is happening. And we respond, Peace be with you. I'm here. The relationship I worked so hard at is still fractured. Peace be with you. I'm here. I don't know how I'm going to make my bills come out this month. Peace be with you. I'm here. The treatments are wearing me out. Peace be with you. I'm here. I don't know what I believe anymore. Peace be with you. I'm here. At some point, that second peace will be offered. The one that comes with commissioning because one of the best ways to move through our difficulties is to move. To have purpose to be sent. Jesus was sent to the world to reveal God to the world. His presence made God present. And then he had the audacity to burst through closed doors and send his disciples out to do the same thing. So as Jesus said, to them, and as Jesus is saying to us, we are to leave these safe doors and enter a world to say, Peace be with you. I'm here.